everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey there, Sir Alan, other round table there. I'm doing good. Um, you know, we've been talking off air lately about what we can do to improve the podcast. Well, of course. And uh, to that end. all I think about. Well, oh, you're not just whistling Dixie there. So to that end, uh, I've been in some meetings with the... Uh, with the uh, R&D department here at uh, LFP Worldwide Headquarters. I didn't know we had one of those. Oh, yeah, there's something else. And uh, their takeaway is that we need to spend more money on R&D and, and maybe less on some employee salaries. So, huh. I, I don't know. They, look, they swear to me. They swear to me that with just a little bit more money, they can replace at least half of the staff with robots. <clears throat> do, do they have anything in mind? I'm not at liberty to say, but I, that's the one of the reasons you weren't in the meetings. <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, I get the half now. No, I was going to be the one that uh, gets suspended with pay. Oh. That, 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 that was my goal. That's brilliant, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, you can call that a vacation. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. the only way we're going to get one from these guys. <laughs> Is everybody else safe? <sighs> I don't. No, exactly. But I've I've heard rumors that there's a there's a robot project called Robonstantine. And I, <laughs> I, I I don't know what that means exactly. You know how sometimes they come up with code names for projects and they don't mean anything. Sure. So I don't I don't read into anything. No, that doesn't sound like it could be anything. That's no. Guessable. No, 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 not at all. How do you come up with uh, robotic onions? Uh, Bitcoin. Oh, fair. There you go. Because that's about what it's worth right now. Yuck. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about Bitcoin. No, no, no. I was no, already no. in a good mood. And I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of good moods, we're yes. here today to talk about Operation Anne, which is a season four episode, number 14, in fact. Yep. It's got a runtime of 21 minutes and 34 seconds. It's a standard edition. Uh, no, no bonus edition here or director's cut, anything like that. It first aired on February 12th, 2012, which is appropriate since this is uh, technically our second Galentine's Day episode. That's right. That's right. Yeah. This episode was uh, directed by Morgan Sackett, who's a longtime producer of the show. In fact, I think in one capacity or another, he was a producer on every single episode of the show. Holy cow. Yeah. Started basically as a uh, producer, then co-executive producer, then ultimately executive producer. So, and he directed five episodes. This is his first of five. Nice. Yeah. And then this was written by Aisha Marar, and this is her fifth of 14 episodes. So she was pretty prolific as a writer. Yeah. But she also was a producer, a co started as a co-producer, producer, and then co-executive producer. So she kind of worked her, her way up the producer ladder. So uh, good to have those folks uh Helm in this show. Yeah, yeah. We like both of them. Yeah. Well, Mark, why don't you kick us off with a little bit of a synopsis so we know what we're talking about today. All right. Synopsis incoming. All right. Well, I split this sucker up into two stories. Sounds right. Hey, there yeah, we go. There you go. I know that makes you feel better. Success all over the place. All right. It's either straight up validation or denial. Uh, it's it's either that or I need a cookie. <laughs> That's less what you call fattening there. I still need a cookie. <laughs> Damn it. Now I want a cookie. <laughs> All right. So I entitled my A story and the beautiful spinster. I love it. All right. While hosting Galentine's Day, Leslie realizes Anne is alone. So she asks the gang to help find someone for her. Chris, still depressed about being dumped by Jerry's daughter, Millie, volunteers to DJ the Valentine's dance they are organizing, but unfortunately ends up playing depressing, somber music. Anne arrives at the dance, and Leslie unsuccessfully tries to set her up with numerous men. 
April, who openly dislikes Anne, brings her creepy <laughs> friend Orin as a, quote, date, leading Leslie to harshly criticize her. Uh, Tom steps up to help Anne out, making her feel better with his humorous efforts. Uh, while talking to Leslie, Chris tells her he is sad because he thinks Millie was his only soulmate. But Leslie cheers him up with a pep talk, but says he may also be a little bit at fault for being single since he did dump Anne. <laughs> what will happen? Will Chris snap out of his funk? Is Anne compatible with any of the men at the dance? How does Leslie use Pizza Hut to her advantage? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. That, that was also my A story. And I, I called mine the Lonely Galentine. Oh, oh that's even better. I like yeah. yours. All right. So my B story I entitled The Cryptex of Love. That's pretty good. I like that one. Yeah. All right. Leslie gives Ben a Valentine's Day scavenger hunt, a very <clears throat> difficult scavenger hunt uh, filled with intricate riddles hidden all over Pawnee in order to discover where she wants to meet him that night. Ben has trouble right off the freaking bat, but thankfully Andy and Ron decide to help him out. Despite Ron's claims to the contrary, he appears to be rather excited with the prospect of and surprisingly good at solving riddles. While in general they make good progress, it comes to their attention that there are 25 freaking clues in total. <laughs> Sounds Fear like Leslie. I know. Fearing that they will never get done in time, they agree to split up and find the riddles out of order in hopes of more quickly finding the last clue. How will this turn out? How does Ron solve the mystery of the cryptics? Where is the final meeting place? Can Ben get there in time? Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I love your title on this one, uh, The Cryptex of Love. Mine was uh, Valen Fines Day. <laughs> you know, Alan, they call me the Space Cowboy. <laughs> I just call you the Gangster of Love, Mark. The Cryptex of Love. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> all right hey mark real quick uh what'd you get on your akas uh i got the right answer which yeah, is that uh i got the two stories there and i got one from sure. each of the storylines although they kind of merge in places it seems like but, i think man. that's fair so one i have from leslie and it kind of you know speaks to my title choice for my a story it's quite frankly where leslie says Oh, Anne, you beautiful spinster. I will find you love. Yeah. I, ju I just like that. That's great. And then the second one is from Ron, who very sternly at one point uh, points at the camera, Alan, because it's very important that everybody knows. I hate riddles and other such nonsense. He wants that to be on the record. <laughs> I just want that to be on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how about you? Nice. Uh, well, from the A story, um, <laughs> there's a point where sweet dumb jerry i know it's always sweet dumb andy but it's kind of sweet dumb jerry this time yeah he, he brings accidentally brings a male escort which we'll Don't. get into later and leslie says please get your gigolo out of here <laughs> love, it. love it you don't hear that every day no thank goodness and then the other one's actually jerry related too but it's from the other storyline i suppose and uh tom basically says actually it's not from the other storyline <laughs> strike that <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. They're both from the A storyline, apparently. Who who did this? These notes. I blame somebody else. We need a robot. We need oh my a god, robot. robots would actually make this podcast better today. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, there's a point where Chris is basically. Uh, let's just say that he he thinks that because of his connection to Millie, that maybe through DNA he might also have a connection to Jerry. <laughs> and Tom goes. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stop staring at Jerry like that. Oh my god. I laugh out loud every single time I watch that part of this episode. I'm I'm gonna let this go, but but when we come to that scene, yeah, we got some stuff I want to say oh, good, about good. it. That's good. I can't good, wait. Good. Yep. All right. Well, hey Mark, why don't we get into the episode breakdown then and you can kick us off with the uh, cold open. All right, sir on of the round table, let's get into it. Well, we got the cold open. Um Thought about doing it like Casey Kasem. We got the cold open in 93 seconds. Going into the plot relevant Blue Bear Cafe. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so we go to the Blue Bell Cafe. Uh, the, the ladies have gathered for Valentine's Day. You know, we see Leslie and her friends uh, again celebrating the greatest holiday in the history of ever. Sure. February 13th, Valentine's Day. You know, let's start this off right. Hey, Constantine, play that clip, buddy. Okay, time for gifts. We have gift certificates for facials for everybody. Then you are going to get a needlepoint pillow with your face on it and the lead headline from a newspaper on the day you were born. Joseph Stalin dies. That's right, Mom, and you replaced him. Not in terms of genocide, just in terms of, you know, being on Earth. February 14th, Valentine's Day, is about romance. But February 13th, Galentine's Day, is about celebrating lady friends. It's wonderful, and it should be a national holiday. It should be a national holiday. <laughs> Dear Congress, it's Leslie again. Let's talk about personal relationships. Who wants to start? Donna? I have several men in rotation. One's waiting for me out in the car. <laughs> Don't worry, I roll down the window. <laughs> April, you're the old married broad here. How's Andy? Well, last week he was supposed to buy gas, but instead he bought novelty cookie cutters. Now everything we eat is shaped like a dinosaur. He's amazing. <laughs> Great. And mom, how's it going with Stephen? Well, I met him on the internet because of my lovely daughter. And we are compatible. La, 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 la. Okay, no, no, no. And can you start talking? Well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in a bit of a lull right now, but I'm so glad that you all have people in your lives that you care about. So congrats. It's really hard to say. Congrats without sounding sarcastic. Seriously, <laughs> I really hope you guys are all very happy. Damn it. We are. <laughs> April. Uh, so good. She just has to get that little extra uh, in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. As April does. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, from there, we're back at City Hall and Leslie's catching up with Anne and Hatch's Operation Anne, you know, the episode title. Yep. Or as I like to call it. Operation Spinsterectomy. Oh, very, very nice. Yeah. Boy, NBC should hire you. They really should. I keep calling them and telling them that. <laughs> they, right. Is that where that season this letter came from? I saw it on the kitchen counter. Yeah, the strange thing is everything. I, every time I call them, do you know who I get hold of? Who? A robot. See, they're already ahead of us on this. I know. I'm wow. saying. All right. We've got to catch up. So, yeah, we're, we're at City Hall and, and Leslie approaches Anne in the hallway and, and apologizes for kind of putting her on the spot, I guess, you know, during the Valentine's Day thing. And Anne says she's fine. It's just it's kind of tough this kind of year. We, you know, they got the hearts and the roses and the blah, blah, blah with the Valentine's Day stuff. As Anne walks off, we can see in Leslie's eyes that she's hatching a scheme as we watch. You can see it. Yup. This is for your AKA. Oh, and you beautiful spinster. Yup. Came from, yeah. Love it. Well, Mark, in the conference room, Leslie has gathered the Scooby gang and is officially launching Operation Anne. But first, we learn a few new acronyms from Leslie, who is apparently loves them about as much as we do. <laughs> yes, she does. So, yeah, Leslie's leading this meeting in, uh, hey, Alan, what conference room is that? 
Uh, this is the large conference room. All right. They're in the large. You heard it here first, folks. They're in the large conference room, the one and only. And uh, Leslie's leading the meeting there. And, and it starts out about the Valentine's Day dance. But, uh, you know, they got that wrapped up and they're doing fine with that. Sure, so it sure. quickly moves on to their to their main objective, their their <laughs> final task, um, setting up Ann Perkins with an eligible bachelor. And Leslie has a very elaborate and, and funny uh, presentation, giving them tips on what to look for in a prospective sweetheart. And April in particular seems resistant since, as we know, she clearly does not like Ann. I love the way this scene starts. Uh, Ron says, thank you all for being here. Let's get started. Leslie's like, wow, uh, Ron, you're yeah. in great attitude. And he's like, oh, I was talking to those ribs. He's eating some ribs. He has to talk to the ribs. You know why? Why? Because when he eats, it's the food that's scared of him. We did establish that so last episode. Put the, put the food at ease. Thank you for being here. I'm about to nom nom you. <laughs> All right. You know what else I like? You know, you'd mentioned the acronyms. Oh, yeah. At, yeah. at one part. She's telling everyone, well, this is how, you know, after showing, you know, slideshows of uh, Ryan Gosling and Joe Biden and Sam Waterston, um, you know, like them. Yeah. uh, You you look for someone who's attractive and shows the word attractive on the scene. Yeah. And then word you got to find someone smart and then someone kind. So the A, the S, the K. And if you're wondering and if you want to know anything else about what's (laughs) right for Ann, just ask. You know, she's all clever and stuff. But uh, spoiler alert, the next word was effervescent. And Ron does not have any damn time for that. He does not. I think she got three in. He's like, just tell us what the damn word is. He's got like nine ribs to go. I think he could have let her finish, but whatever. Did you you see the list? Did you see the list that made that up? It's pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. We encourage people to do a freeze frame. Yeah. Go check that out. If you've got the DVDs or you've got access to Peacock. That's right. Yeah. Well, Mark, in Leslie's office, she has a Valentine's Day surprise for Ben, and it's apparently inspired by the now infamous Get to Know Your Boo game show. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, that was my takeaway. Awesome. yours? Mm. That's weird. You probably got stuck on the whole otter thing. I just love the crappity crap out of this. I'd like, so Leslie and Ben are essentially exchanging Valentine's Day gifts, even though they agree they weren't going to get each other presents because, you know, the campaign's made us busy. We're not going to get each other presents. They totally got each other yeah, presents. They did. So it starts out with Ben. Ben leads Leslie into her office, hands over her eyes, and surprises her with a recreation of a dream that Leslie had <laughs> about, quote, a Playboy otter lost at sea. And lo and behold, sitting on Leslie's chair, Yotter Otter. Yotter Otter. <laughs> a plush damn otter in a sea captain's hat. I love this to death. So good. Leslie looks a little bit like the Ledgerman hat, does it not? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it does. Leslie loves it and responds by giving Ben a cryptex, you know, like in the Da Vinci sure. Code, <laughs> and telling him that inside they'll tell him where to meet her that night at 9 p.m. And Leslie kind of ribs him a little bit, saying like, well, I don't know, maybe you can't crack the code. And, you know, cocksure Ben assures her, oh, I, I, I think I can crack the code. And then we see him in the hallway frustrated after several minutes going, I have no idea what the code I is. Got yeah, this. he's in trouble. <laughs> hey, Mark, wasn't the Da Vinci Code the first movie they watched together and started? HD. That is very specific. My God, Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, over in Chris's office, Tom drops by to see a very morose Chris Traeger and has a suggestion for the V-Day dance. 
Yes, he does. So, yeah, Chris is once again in his office and he was doing this in the last episode, too. I think he's kind of gazing out the window in like a very melancholy fashion there. And and Tom enters his office and tells him that he found a DJ for the dance. DJ Blunts, who I think we've heard of before. from uh, Tom's E720 days. That's right. And Chris tells Tom that DJ Blunts may not be appropriate <clears throat> for that event. Um, and instead, he volunteers to DJ the dance himself since, you know, he certainly has no other plans for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I, I want to see him get this party started. Mm. He's clearly in the mood. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we move out into the hallway at City Hall, and it turns out that everyone loves a puzzle, even those you might not expect. And Andy proves that he knows what things are. Even the sweet, stupid ones love love a puzzle. Um, Yeah. So we got Ben is kind of walking down the hallway. And you know how these kids nowadays, Alan, they'll just like walk around, but they'll be like, like concentrating on their phone and they don't know where they're going. Yeah, collide into things all the time. That's like Ben with this cryptex. He's kind of like haphazardly kind of walking down the hall slowly and he's constantly looking down at this cryptex and Andy kind of passes and goes, oh, what you got? A cryptex? What is it? Can I have it? And he just kind of grabs that out of Ben's hands. And once Ben grabs it back freaking Andy. He, he tells Andy that Leslie's doing this uh, for him for Valentine's Day. And Andy is like all excited and stuff. He's like, I want to help. But he doesn't he doesn't help a lot. And he says, Ben, I don't know, dude, you're the second smartest guy I know. But you know what? Maybe we should go to the first smartest guy that I know and see if he can help. Well, great segue. Yeah. Over in Ron's office, who is apparently the smartest guy he knows, we play a little game I like to call if at first you don't succeed, Grab a hammer. Well, Ben and Andy tell Ron about the cryptex. And, you know, after hearing their story and analyzing it himself, he believes he can help them using the power of his manly brain. Ron sure. takes a, a freaking hammer out from one of his desk drawers and goes, Kerwam! And smashes it open. <laughs> I love it. And, and inside is a piece of paper, which Andy gleefully grabs and unrolls and reads God, out loud. Such a baby. And he, I know. And he, it says... The murals with this heart you see, look to the first and there your next clue will be. And then before either Ben or Andy can react to what was just read or without even even having time to think about what it means, Ron blurts out, the first letter of the name of each mural with a heart on it will spell out the clue. And they both kind of look at him or, or, or something or, or something. Let's let's check out the murals. So oh, my God. He's like a little too excited. He's a little excited. Yeah. And I'm not at this point. I'm starting to doubt whether or not without Ron's help, Ben would actually get as far as he does. I agree. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. Well, Mark, over at the uh, what I'm calling Gowers Hall, I, you know, that's the name of the building we're about to go to where the dance is. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I looked it up. Uh, the, <laughs> at the dance, we learned that not everyone should be a DJ and that you have to craft your Craigslist ad very carefully. Boy, don't have to tell me twice. Um yeah, we are now at the Valentine's dance and uh, DJ uh, Tragermeister there is uh, on the mic and it greets everybody uh, telling them all sad he is. And but I don't want it to affect your dance, but life is fleeting. And, and then he puts on some very melancholy, somber music and everyone's like, what in the hell is happening here? Um Meanwhile, uh, Leslie and Tom are at, I think they're at the entrance to to the dance. And Jerry arrives with what looks like a date for Anne, a handsome young gentleman, you know. And Leslie compliments him like, hey, nice job. But when Jerry relays what he actually did, put an ad on Craigslist, 
man seeking man for a night of casual fun. <laughs> uh, they quickly come to the correct conclusion that Jerry has <clears throat> indeed hired a male escort. And <laughs> would he please get his gigolo out of there? Oh, my God. Poor Jerry. En- Enrico seemed like a kind of nice guy, though. He did. Yeah. yeah. Got to pay him to hang with you. But, you know, hey. Yeah. Well, back at City Hall, it turns out that Ron is a bit of a riddle savant and that April gave Andy the night off, apparently. Ben, Ron, and Andy go investigate all of the murals, looking for the ones with the aforementioned heart sticker. And when they put them all together, Ron once again quickly figures it out in his head. I figured it out. The letters unscrambled say, no food finer, clue three at JJ's diner. Good God. How many clues are there exactly? And you see Ben kind of go toink and mug to the camera. He's now getting a little bit panicked, I think. I I love this one because, Mark, if you remember, uh, they had to find these murals with the stickers, right? Yeah. And the murals, then you took the first letter and you made this giant clue that Ron just read to us. Well, the murals were cornfield slaughter, lament of the buffalo. I love that one. Needless slaughter. Slaughter gone wrong. You getting a theme here? Yeah. Eating the reverend. Double yikes. (laughs) And death everywhere. And don't forget, it's raining blood. Oh, yeah. I That's forgot an about important that one. one. I'm kind of glad that these are apparently in like the D, D wing of the building that we never go to. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't even imagine what those murals look like. I know the ones we've seen are pretty horrific. Borderline questionable. These sound like even worse. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Well, back at the Valentine's dance, Anne arrives and it turns out that the best chance for a date tonight will be if Leslie ends up ordering Pizza Hut delivery. <laughs> Leslie greets April when she arrives, but she is less than pleased to see that she brought uh, creepy Orin uh, as a prospective date for Anne. And just, Single. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, forever. Um, just then Anne arrives and Leslie takes her over to get a drink and please start having some FUN fun. And as they go, Anne notices the horrifically somber music being played by DJ Tregermeister. Apparently it's not getting any better. No, no, it's not. Well, Mark, she had me at um, you know, DJFU. So, <laughs> Alan, I really love Leslie's uh, talking head that ends this scene because you had mentioned Pizza oh, yeah, Hut. Yeah. And she's desperately looking through her phone, I think, looking for any uh, available guys for Anne. And she comes across P. Hut, which confuses her for a second. And then she realizes Pizza Hut. And then she goes, oh, hold on, because this is the talking head. So she's talking right. on the camera. And she goes on her phone and she dials Pizza Hut. And you think, what What are you going to order a pizza? And she just goes, hi, how cute are you? So, <laughs> All right. She's kind of trying to think on her feet. Oh, gosh. Well, she did look through the rest of her Rolodex and determined that, you know, her dentist was in there. But he's apparently 80. He's gay. And he's taken. And he's taken. So it may not be a good fit. Maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) Well, continuing on at the dance, Leslie does eventually find someone in her contact list, and he at least has a pulse. Well, sort of. Yeah, this is just a very short scene where we see Leslie start to try and subtly uh, introduce Anne to various men over the course of the night, starting with her lawyer friend, Alex. Yeah, who's apparently probably there because he's associated with her campaign. Right, exactly. (laughs) And he's not her love mate? That's so weird. That's bizarre. Yeah. Mark, did you notice the poster when you come into the room? Basically, there's all kinds of things going on in this poster. First of all, the sponsor at the bottom of the poster is who'syourmate.com. Get out of here. Totally true. I miss that. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mark, if you take a close look at the poster, it basically says Valentine's Day dance tickets, $18. Mm-hmm. Price includes admission, mm-hmm. entertainment, and food. Alcoholic beverage is not included. So pretty standard stuff there. Sure. But then buy your raffle tickets here, $5. And apparently if you enter for a chance to win, you get a deluxe snow sled, mm. a Spawnee gift certificate, and a couple's massage, and a $100 food and stuff gift certificate. Wow. Kind of cool. Not too shabby. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you have the DVDs, check out, uh, you know, the deleted scene number three, I think it is, at two minutes and nine seconds. And you can see all those fun things on the poster. That's very fun. Yeah. I thought so as well. Well, Mark, as the hunt for clues continues at JJ's, whipped cream plays a role that to no one's surprise, of course. And we learn that there are less than 23 clues left. Holy crap. God. The, the men get to JJ's diner. And Ben quickly determines that there is no food finer must be, in Leslie's case, referring to whipped cream because, duh. Yeah. And instructs everyone to look in the whipped cream cans, which 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 Andy does in a spectacularly funny but unhelpful <laughs> manner. Oh, my God. Ben finally finds a can with a false bottom and he pulls out the next clue and he reads out loud. Something wicked this way comes. Whence you peruse a book with your thumbs, go to the one who succumbs. I'll be attached with a little gum. <laughs> Making sure to sternly point at the camera and let it be known. That's I right. hate riddles and other such nonsense. My AKA. Uh, Ron has once again figured it out, telling Ben something wicked with a book is my ex-wife from the library, which means... I'm the one who succumbs. <laughs> and then Ben consults the clue again. I'll be attached with a little gum. So Ron looks at his feet and finds a tiny scroll stuck to the bottom of his shoe with gum. Good God. <laughs> that woman's good. Ron unrolls the next clue and reads out loud. Follow me to the sheltered snow. Only 22 clues left to go. <sighs> So yikes and a half concerned that they may not finish in time because yikes, Ben tells them that he's going to make a list of places that they have been together. And then they, yeah, it is smart. And the three of them are going to split up and hope they luck out and someone find the last clue. Well, yeah. I mean, if you can at least jump forward, you know, 22 clues or so, you'll be fine. Exactly. Yeah. Because the clock is ticking. Yup. Well, Mark, we bounce back to the Valentine's dance for a quick beat, and uh, I really like this scene. Yeah, we had we had talked about this a little bit um, earlier. It starts out, Tom approaches Chris and asks him to change the freaking music because it's all somber and stuff. And then he also asks him, well, what? why don't you try and take advantage of the situation? You know, there's some there's some uh, uh, ladies uh, here. Why don't you try and, you know, rebound? And Chris is just, no, no. Tom, nobody compares to Millie, you know, except oddly, maybe Jerry, (laughs) since technically they share 50 percent of the same DNA. And Uh, Chris, I think it's a combination in this scene. This cracked me up. I'm with you. And I think it's a combination of the background music is just just like very bombastic (laughs) and and haunting almost. It is. And then the, the camera shot goes to Chris, who's staring intensely and longingly at Jerry. And Jerry, Jerry, Jerry starts to freak out a little bit. Is hilarious. And Tom then, goes, stop staring at Jerry like that. Which, by the way, I don't know if you caught this, but this just cracked me up. Just those little things. 
Oren in this scene is he in the laughs. background. He's totally oh grooving God. and smiling to Chris's choice of music. I, I love, 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 love that. Well, Tom goes, it sounds like the end of a movie about a monk who kills himself. And Chris goes, it is. It is. <laughs> Good God. Yep. <laughs> He's depressed. Yep. Well, continuing the hunt for clues, Ben makes a stop at my favorite Pawnee destination and hotspot. And, and with a solid 3.7 on, uh, you know, MidwestMuseums.net, I'm, of course, referring to the Humperman Snow Globe Museum. Hashtag fun with names. That's right. Yeah. We, we've heard about the Snow Globe mu Museum before, but we've never had the pleasure of seeing it. Um, so, yeah, Ben is now at the Humperman Snow Globe <laughs> Museum uh, looking for the next clue. Uh, and an employee named Kevin is kind of helpful, I guess, but also seems annoyingly apathetic. You know what? Let's have Constantine play this clip. I think that's a great idea. I don't know. It's working now. <laughs> hey, how's it going? It's Valentine's Day. And I'm working the late shift at the Snow Globe Museum, so I'm right where I want to be. Okay. Um, my girlfriend <laughs> left a clue here, I think, like for a, a scavenger hunt. Right. <clears throat> You're Ben. Yes. She said you'd be here by noon. Not doing so good. All right. Well, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Be, it's under one of the snow globes. But which one? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nah. You really suck at this. Okay, Wayne, just tell me where it is and I can get out of here. That would take all the fun out of it. Ah. Winner. <laughs> I found it. Yep. Oh, wait. No, that might be from another scavenger hunt. <laughs> uh, that's another scavenger hunt. Uh, I love that scene. Kevin is almost April's equivalent and apathetic, I think. You know, if, if April didn't already have Andy, I would set those two up. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they'd get along or if it would be like matter and anti-matter and they'd try to kill each other. That's a good point. April might actually find him annoying. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Who would want to date themselves? I know. Yeah. Well, Mark, back at the Valentine's dance, the winners just keep lining up. And that one guy would have been perfect for Anne if he weren't, you know, in icky love with his. Well, never mind. Uh, and, yeah. and Chris's death dirge continues. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a death dirge. Um so, yeah, we're back at the Valentine's dance and Leslie is trying and failing to successfully match Anne up with men. Um, she she changes tactics slightly and Leslie decides that she's going to go talk to Chris about this death dirge thing. Uh, to see if he can stop playing this damn somber music and says, Tom, I need to enlist your help. I need you to go and, and go to Anne and keep the candidates kind of flowing yeah. in her uh, direction. And so Tom goes over there and and he actually convinces Anne to give these matchups a shot. I think his quote was we're stuck at a parks and rec community couples event what else you got to do and she's like eh, eh, all right you know what the hell go ahead and uh unfortunately the the next few are not winners to say the least well if i remember the the first in line after the guy who was in love with his sister yeah. uh, was yeah. harris from, oh from animal control from animal control yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says i heard you were desperate for a man piece we in business <laughs> <laughs> wow. That must be his opener for all these things. And Tom tries to to illustrate his, his uh, you know, high points. He's been to at least 200 fish concerts. Try 308. So, yeah, <laughs> right. And then the next guy, he he's a he's a 
don't even want to say he's an amateur juggler. So just get the get out, get, get out right now. Get no one's trying to get with jugglers. <laughs> no, that was so funny. Ugh. Well, back on the search for clues, Ron stops at a place we visited back in season two. Yeah. And if you look closely, Leslie's picture is still up on the wall. Oh, the Obama-esque. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, yeah, Ron shows up at our favorite gay bar, The Bulge, uh, looking for a clue that Leslie left there. So the bartender kind of goes back to get the clue while Ron gets several uh, adoring looks from the customers. And the bartender comes <laughs> back with the clue and uh, Ron has a little bit of a giggle fit and then turns around to leave, uh, uh, you know, wishes everyone a good night. And the men kind of. <laughs> Watch him go. Hey, I'll go him a little bit. If you know what I mean. Round jig and brown gal. I think I think Ron could do well in the bulge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you playing along at home, freeze frame, 13 minutes and nine seconds. Yeah. Look to the left of Ron and just over the dude's head, and you'll see the Leslie Obama-esque poster still up on the wall. That's outstanding. Yeah, Good terrific. call. Yeah. I just barely saw it. Well, back at City Hall, sweet, stupid Andy is on the case, and well, Technically, he breaks into the case. Yep. Yep. He's a he's a what you call there a multitasker. He really is. Yeah. This is a super short scene, really. So Andy is in one of the hallways at City Hall and inside a glass case with a stuffed raccoon in it. He sees one of Leslie's clues. So he runs up to it with a crowbar and he's ready to smash it. And he stops and he considers and he goes, hmm. And he reaches like behind it, like yeah. between it and the wall. There's no glass. And he realizes there's no glass in its backing. <laughs> so he, ah, ha, ha, he smiles, he reaches in, he grabs the clue. He's all proud of himself because he, on account of he didn't have to break the glass. And he starts to walk away. And as he does, he puts the crow, crowbar down a bit forcefully on the glass case, shatters it. My God. Oh, sweet, stupid Andy. Yeah. Yep. Well, back at the dance, Leslie does her best to cheer up Chris. And Mark, can we talk about the end of this sing and that wave? Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Uh, I'm confused by this. That's definitely something there. So yeah, Leslie finally uh, gets to Chris and starts to talk about him, about changing the music. And then also to tell him, hey, cheer up. You know, your, your best is still ahead of you. And Chris is like, I, I don't know. You, you know, I... I you don't think Millie was my soulmate? And Leslie replies, there are a lot of soulmates in the world. I mean, look at Anne. You dated her. She's a perfect human specimen. And you tossed her out like Dale Chowder. But it's <laughs> it's going to be okay. Buck up. Which I think was good. I think that Chris needs to hear that, you know? He really did. And Chris says he'll try. And Leslie leaves. And then Chris looks over and sees Anne sitting alone with a drink. He kind of waves at her. And mm -hmm. she waves back. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit of a MacGuffin. It's a, a distraction. No, it's Anne. Well, <laughs> my God. I think it's a false clue, Mark. Yeah. 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 Because we're going to need that here in a minute to keep us a little confused. Right. But I'm also wondering if there's not something real there. We'll get into that later. A little bit of a foreshadowing. Hey, or, maybe. Or, or, or not. I don't know. I haven't seen the series. I mean, perhaps it just <laughs> made him think, you know. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. In a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? In all seriousness, Leslie did point out, take a look at Anne. She's pretty darn awesome. Perfect. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you you made the decision to kind of cast her aside. Not that that says he's a bad person, but you know what? Own it. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, following her success cheering up Chris, Leslie checks in on Anne and is hoping that she can count this night for two wins, but at least appears that Operation Anne might be a failure. Well, 
That may be, but uh, Operation Peppy Dance Music is now starting up. <laughs> At least that's so, working. So, yeah, now we got some peppy good dance music. I mean, a welcome change to what we've heard so far, for sure. Well, sure. Unless you ask Orin, maybe. Yeah, the digitary, the digity do. Didgery do? <laughs> How do you say that? It's, it used to be analog. Yeah. Yeah, the digital do? No, it's a didgery do. That's what you say. <laughs> so, yeah, it, this is it. The music's better. All right. So Anne approaches Leslie and tells her, look, Leslie, uh, you're awesome. And I appreciate everything you've tried to do, all the men you've tried to match me up with. But I don't know. I I think I'm just going to go home and watch TV. And after avoiding a quick Leslie trick, there's something I need to see in your car keys. Are you going to throw them on the roof? (laughs) And takes off. She knows Leslie so well. She does. She does. And then immediately we see a Leslie talking head where she says, you know what? Uh, Anne just seems still a little down. I'm going to take her out for a drink to cheer her up. I I can be a little bit late to meet Ben. He's not going to make it on time. I'm actually kind of worried he may not make it at all because I made the clues really, really hard. So Leslie steps outside to look for Anne and she spots her of all things. She's still in her car, like her car is still parked and she's kind of like looking in the rearview mirror and she's putting on lipstick and Anne surmise and and Leslie surmises, sorry, that Anne, that tricky bastard, is going on a date. But with who? A flustered April walks up asking Leslie, what Leslie, what, what are you doing? Like she seems April usually isn't flustered. So you wonder what's going on there. And Leslie starts putting some clues together. And didn't tell Leslie because she didn't want her to know. Likely she's dating someone that she shouldn't be. The music is now noticeably better. No one has seen Chris in the last few minutes. <gasps> she's going to meet Chris. Bum, bum, bum. And then Leslie mugs to the camera in astonishment, as you would. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Ben, Ron, and Andy have reconvened. And uh, they're comparing notes back at City Hall. And to no one's surprise, Ron was the winner in terms of sheer volume. Holy cow. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, indeed. Um, Ben, Ron, and Andy are in Ron's office, and they're combining all the clues that they've gathered, with Ron having almost twice as many as Ben and Andy combined. Yeah, he's got 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Just just lucky. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, despite all their efforts and their teamwork and their cooperation— they were still not able to come up with the 25th and final clue. Mm. And Ben just kind of sits down on the bench and is feeling tired and defeated. Because I, I think it's getting close to the nine o'clock deadline. It has right? to be. I it think has so to be. by now. Yeah. yeah. I also I love Ron's giddy little talking head like he he's like because he's he tells Ben I got you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And Ben's like, whoa. And he goes, I, I just I just got lucky. And then, you know, his his Ron Swanson <laughs> giddy thing. And I love riddles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love, love it. it. I love um, giddy Ron. Giddy Ron's my favorite Ron. Yup. Yeah. Well, on the hunt to catch Anne in the act with Chris, April calls Leslie and does something a little bit unexpected. She takes Anne's side. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised at that. Ellen, I think at the beginning of this scene, we are to have assumed that Leslie has tailed Anne to wherever her destination is. That's she, what I got from her. It, yeah. Car is on. Yeah. That's how she receives the phone call yeah. coming in via Bluetooth, I think. That's right. And she's looking, and I think we see Anne walking into her destination. She crossing the street, about to go into a building. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't see exactly where that is Not yet. yet. Yeah. But I think Leslie has tailed her to this point and is, you know, playing detective or whatever. And you're right. April says you need to leave Anne alone. Like, who's, who's being a tricky yeah. bastard now? Exactly. What is going on here? <laughs> Left is right, up is down. 
Leslie, believing that Anne is going out on a date with Chris, is understandably upset because of all the hoops she and Ben had to yep. jump through because of the boss employee uh, thing. Oh, yeah. But people a- got fired. I mean, all kinds of stuff went a- down. April tells her Anne would never do anything to piss you off, Leslie. You guys are such close friends. It's lame. Just have a nice night with Ben and forget about this. So Leslie reluctantly agrees and April hangs up and Leslie drives off. Well, we'll see what happens with that, Mark. Yeah. Well, it's down to the wire and Ron, Ben and Andy are still stumped. Nor are they. Mm -hmm. As Ben laments not being able to meet Leslie, Ron pulls essentially a Hail Mary saying, wait, Leslie loves romance, but she also loves being right. (laughs) Is there something you used to disagree on, but you've since come around to her way of thinking? And Ben pauses, considers looks up excitedly, tells Ron he's a genius and leaves. And you kind of see Ron close his eyes Mm -hmm. and nod his head in slow satisfaction. Full satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the little light bulb moment we see with Ben there. Right. Yeah. Well, Mark, remember when Ben didn't understand why everybody loved a certain mini horse so much? I do. Well, I'm glad that he is finally on board. (laughs) Well, let's let's find out. Um, We see Ben waiting at little sebastian's memorial site we then see leslie walking up to him busy for nine o'clock at night it's always busy it's like a beach grove walmart oh my god is that like the muncie walmart oh it's even better okay good it's got twice as many uh it's just better (laughs) we then see leslie walking up to ben and she has a big smile on her so leslie tells him you know at first you did not understand what made this tiny horse so special and now you love him more than i do and ben says yep i miss him every day (laughs) and ben smiles at leslie and then toink does a quick glance to the camera smile fading a bit as if to say i still don't really understand (laughs) (laughs) Before they can take off for their very first Valentine's dinner, Leslie feels like she needs to tell Ben about Chris and Anne. And Leslie tells Ben she knows that she shouldn't care. She knows that she should just let it go. But then Ben just simply cuts in and says, screw romantic dinners. Let's go rub it in their face. (laughs) Leslie, God, I love you so much. (laughs) They go off. They're on a mission. He's determined to catch them and act as much as she is. Yup. Yeah. Well, at the restaurant, Leslie and Ben are about to catch Anne and Chris in the act when something unimaginable kind of happens. Yeah. We talked about how Leslie had started to tail Anne before April convinced her to leave her alone. So yeah. she knows where she yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And it's apparently at this restaurant. Hey, yeah. Alan, what restaurant is that? Uh, at, this is Vito's restaurant. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So they uh, we see Ben and Leslie uh, kind of tiptoeing around like like super slews outside of Vito's yeah. restaurant. And um, they, they come up and they look through the window and they see Anne sitting by herself at a table for two. And then they see her date walk up and it's... Tom. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh, I had a cow. Uh, Leslie shrieks. Ah! And Ben clamps her hand, his hand over her mouth. And then all of a sudden April walks up and you know what? I can't even do the rest of this justice. How about we have Constantine play the rest of this clip? I like it. Ah! Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and Anne are on a date. I know. What do you mean you know? How do you know? Because I set them up. I was watching Anne with Tom at the dance, and she seemed to be having a good time. So I went over and talked to her. What are you looking for on a date, anyway? I don't know. What does anyone want? Just 
nice, funny guy who likes me and treats me well. Tom's funny. And he treat you well. Ha, ha. I'm serious. <laughs> you want a good date. Why not ask out the only guy that's made you smile tonight? He's ridiculous. All that dumb swagger? It's an act. He's sweet. You should just ask him out for a drink. I'm a thousand percent sure he'd say yes. I bet you guys would have a good time. Man, I need to, like, wrap my head around this. <laughs> All right, it makes sense to me. This is a small loser town with loser people. And Tom's, like, at least semi-cool. You know what I'm hearing? You tried to make Anne happy for Valentine's Day. Well, you're a very nice person. Nice. Yes, you are. Very nice Bye. person. Bye. <laughs> okay, I do not understand this. This really confuses me. Well, you do love them both. Yeah, but I love passionate speakers and Italian men. Doesn't mean I love Mussolini. You love Italian men? Not as much as Irish. Scottish? White, whatever you are. <laughs> this is the weirdest Valentine's Day ever. Aw, kissy kissy. Yeah. That was a nice little scene with uh, they had that little flashback in the middle where April was explaining like to them where she kind of yep. kind of walked up to Anne and they had that conversation. So effective use. Yeah, it was nice, nicely done. And she wasn't wrong. No, no, yeah. she wasn't. Interesting that she saw that when no one else did. Well, Mark, inside the restaurant, we get to check in on the not lovebirds. And it, it sounds like Tom is uh, skating on pretty thin ice. Yeah, we're inside of Vito's. Vito's. We're inside of that Vito's place. And um, we see Tom start out the scene. This is a pretty short scene, but we see Tom start out with some swagger and in warning him, dude. Nope. We're this close. We're this close <laughs> to falling apart here. And Tom admits, okay, you look, let me, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not sure if I understand what's happening. So Anne says, oh, let me tell you, we're going to have a drink. We're going to talk. We're going to get to know each other. And then after all that, I'm going to go home alone. And Tom uh, suggests an alternate plan, unfortunately, um, that involves them going back to his place and snuggling up like little bunnies. Bunnies. And yeah, this was a mistake. Tom. No, <laughs> dude, you blew it. Oh, boy. Well, she tried. Yep. Well, Mark, all that's left at this point is the kicker. And we're back at City Hall. And what I saw was Ron attempting a little bit of subtlety and maybe failing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wasn't sure if this was the very next day or not. It's clearly not Valentine's Day. No, anymore. I believe it's. Yeah, it's 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 a different day. Right, right. Yeah. And we see Ron come into Leslie's office. And yeah, it seems like he has some things that he wants to sternly tell Leslie. Um, hey, Ellen, let's have Constantine play us out. I think that's a great idea. Leslie, thanks to your annoying prying last year, I'm sure you remember my birthday's coming up. I know, I know. No parties. You hate parties. Correct. Oh, you know that wild goose chase you sent Ben on for Valentine's Day? The scavenger hunt? I also do not want that. Yep, I understand. <laughs> I absolutely do not want to solve a series of riddles and clues, each more intricate than the last. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I got it, Ron. Good. <laughs> Oh, I, I do want that. Please do that for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Oh, Mark, I actually uh, went and looked it up, and it turns out that uh, February 12, 2012 was a Sunday. Hmm. So must be Monday morning. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So there you go. 
Very good. Yeah. Well, nice job on the breakdown there as always, Mark, and I appreciate that. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break. Uh, we'll come back, we'll finish up, and then we'll send everybody home. All right, let's do it, buddy. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Are you in the mood for heaping plates of outstanding breakfast food? If not, then I wish you a good day as I have nothing else to discuss with you, and I, quite frankly, don't understand you. However, if the answer is yes, then JJ's Diner is the place for you. Hello, this is Ron Swanson, a staple for the citizens of Pawnee since its opening in 1976 J.J.'s Diner is owned by the great J.J. Lipscomb and is located at 122 Sunderland between Tramp Stamp Tattoos and the Chlorotech Cadmium Refinery. Some have said that J.J.'s Diner is the meeting place for Pawnee's political elite. I don't know exactly what that means, and I still somehow hope that is inaccurate. However, I do know that J.J.'s Diner is open 24 hours a day, and that breakfast food is the only food I need at any of those 24 hours. My employee Leslie enjoys the waffles and whipped cream. I prefer large helpings of bacon and eggs, like most self-respecting people. Be sure to visit JJ's Diner often, preferably when I am not there. Tell them Ron sent you, and receive a free JJ's refrigerator magnet with your order of the Ron Special. A heaping portion of bacon and eggs, accompanied by a delicious side order of eggs and bacon, smothered in sausage and sausage gravy. Mmm. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Mark, as we usually do, we'll talk really quick about the deleted scenes. And uh, here in this particular uh, instance, we had about four minutes and 43 seconds. I yeah. counted nine scenes. Yeah, uh, There were some funny ones. There's some extended Galentine's Day uh, frivolity. You know, Leslie encourages April to help find this uh, date for Anne. Uh, you know, there's a, kind of a Leslie confused uh, Donna's three dates as possibilities for Anne, but mm -hmm. Donna tells her, nope, these are my dates. No, they're all for her. If I get bored, I'll give you one, but yep. I probably ain't yeah, going to get bored. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Chris has got his 1% sadness speech, which I actually kind of liked. I, I actually thought, and I mean, their deleted scenes are never bad. No. But usually I can look at them and go, all yeah. right, I, I see why you cut them. I really, really like these deleted scenes. I do too. And there were quite a few where I went, I Mm, I wish that either they had either a found a way to keep them in or, right. or B that they had made a, a, a super size, you know, director's cut because yeah. I like the deleted scenes like a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. I, I love the, the premise that Chris is in the last deleted scene. Chris has gone out, run a whole 5k yeah. has come back, feels better. Donna's DJing. And then Jerry comes up and apologizes to Chris and it actually kind of helps his mood. Right. And that's how then Chris gets in the good mood later. So it's, it's just kind of interesting. And he like starts dancing hard with Jerry and Jerry's like, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> Very funny. It's a different form of punching bag, Jerry. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you've got the DVDs, uh, check those out. Definitely. Yeah. Mark, how about uh, first tropes, goofs and fun facts? What'd you get this week? I had two firsts. Um, I had... I think this can slide by on a technicality. I said Ann and Tom go on their first date, technically. That's I, true. I don't know if you call it a date. I guess I'll call it a date. We'll call it a date for fun. Yeah. And then uh, also I said we we get to see the inside or the actual, if you will, 
snow globe museum, which Love we've it. heard a lot about before, but just heard about. Humphermans. Humphermann. Yeah, that's right. It's a German name. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What I miss? Um, I, I just had uh, super sad Chris, which, mm. you know, it's a different level. Yes. Of Chris's kind I of completely you know, agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had compassionate April, um, although I think technically that kind of is, is similar to empathetic April, which I introduced last week. So it's probably more of a trope. Maybe, but yeah. I, I get what you're going it's for. It's a little different, though. Just a slight different variant. She she went a, a step farther. Let's say it that way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. How, how about tropes? Uh, tropes. Well, you know what? Uh, Hanferman uh, Snow Globe Museum. Yeah. That, that's a great segue to my first trope. Yeah. Fun with names. Fun with names. I think that were there, were there a few others? I'm trying to think. Usually he he has a hand in at least a few. I feel like having looked at the script, I saw at least one other one. And I, I clocked and I, I can't remember what it was right now. But yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's one. Uh, even if it's just one, I'm counting it. Um, I had over the top Leslie because my God, uh, scavenger hunt from hell. Yeah, <laughs> I think that counts. Um, several times been very clearly bing mugs to the camera. Absolutely. Um, I had a, a PBJ a lot, yeah. uh, which we love. Um, I had one that I think you came up with at one point, and I want to say it was LLWC, Leslie Loves Whipped Cream, because that's like such a specific thing with her. It really I mean, is. Like, like waffles, but almost amped up beyond yeah, that. That's true. Um, I, Leslie and compliments. Yeah. Yeah. Which you started and I really like. Yeah. Um, and City Hall murals out the wazoo. That's true. Yeah. Not at all. Um, how about you? You hit my whole list, actually. I did have one that I'll, I'll introduce. Again, I already know what you're going to say, and I dis disagree. So in advance. <laughs> oh, I love this. My trope is Donna's got it, right? If you think back to like uh, when she went with Yanni, yeah. you know, all, all the men from Venezuela really love her. Yeah. Yeah. So th this is my premise is Donna's got it because she's got three dates. That's but not, it's in the It's leaders. not canon. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just, I don't even know why. I, I think that you brought that up just to cheer me up because you knew I could say, but yeah, it's not candy. Pretty much. I gave that you one to you. You're welcome. Because it's not candy. Yeah. You got to get into the I, show. I'm like April. I, I, I look deep into your soul and say, how can I really help you? And you just see whipped cream there. Mostly whipped yeah, cream. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm mostly gravy. <laughs> Mark, how about goofs? Did you have any goofs this I had, week? I had no goofs. I did have, uh, did you have any goofs? There was a goof that someone uh, put on the internet, yeah. and they're absolutely right. Hmm. Um, basically, they said while on the scavenger hunt, Ben goes into the Homferman Snow Globe Museum. Yeah, Leslie has hidden a clue there. But in a previous episode, she was she mentioned this the the place, and that's why we already knew about it, saying she'd been banned from there. You know, it's so funny you'd say that. I, I you're you're right, and I had that. I guess I for some reason my crazy Mark had counted it as a fun fact. No, that's a goof. Well, because I think maybe the ban was lifted. Like we don't know. It's a goofy fun fact. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, a new category. It's I a love new it. category. But yeah, right. you're right. In the season three, episode 10 episode, uh, uh, Soulmates, Leslie told ah. Ben she had been banned from the Snow Globe Museum due to shaking the snow globes. There you have and it. it makes you wonder, like, did you get your van lifted? Did you like sneak in? Or Let's assume she did. Yeah. 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 But still, good good call. Fair. Um, the only other thing I had to share uh, was, and I don't think we've said this yet. We've talked about the Homferman Snow Globe yeah. Museum yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. The employee we met, Kevin, sure. who's almost the male equivalent of April in terms of yeah. how apathetic he is. Martin he, Starr. He was played by Martin Starr, yeah. the great Martin Starr, who acted on the TV show Party Down with Adam Scott. So it was there almost like it. a mini, a mini a Party Down Little reunion, reunion, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And, and they've resumed uh, a, a new season of that show recently. 
Did they really? Yep. It's uh, it's I it's, I think it's past. Pre- I think it's been filmed. I think it's in post production, and I think we'll see it at some point soon. Holy cow! I know. I'm kind of so looking there. forward to that. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I just saw Adam Scott in uh, Severance. Totally different role for him. Oh yeah. And he was amazing in it. Uh, I want to talk about Severance at some point because oh my god. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually looking forward to uh, the next season of Party Down. I think that'd be pretty terrific too. Me too. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Well, Mark, I think that about does it. Let's get into our scores and then we'll uh, we'll be done with this thing. All right. Well, Alan, my episode MVP, I, I had a tough time with this one, but I decided to just go with my man crush. I'm giving it to Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Fair. My 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 reasoning here is that, you know, you know how we had the A story and the B story. I, despite it being smaller in size and scope, I, I actually like the B story more than the A story. And yeah. And having said that, my favorite part of the A story was watching Ron's antics all the way through it. Like, I love Giddy Ron. We talked about that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Nick Offerman does a, such a good job with it. It just it made me laugh. I, I, he gets my MVP for this episode. So a few additional notes. Um, big props for the show. I, I They often do this and I don't always call it out, but they really, really hit it hard here. Big props to the show for using prior places and events from its in-show universe, like building blocks. Like, let's just go down the quick list. Galentine's Day, yep. lots of murals around City Hall, yep. Creepy Orin, yep. High as a Kite Harris, The Bulge, Leslie having learned Ron's <laughs> birthday, Little Sebastian, uh, the, you know, the Snow Globe Museum. It's got it all. It, it's it's just on and on and on. And all these are things that they've established in the past. So it's like building blocks. It's brilliant. And they all really have nothing to do with each other. You just nope. get rewarded for having watched all those episodes and then I, there's even some you listed like off that poster like a hoosiermates.com oh, yeah. yeah. and i mean it's just brilliant it, food and stuff and it's in the background and you wouldn't even notice it unless you pay really close attention i love that right a lot like arrested development it pays to be to it be uh, to attend to yeah. it right get that pause button ready <sighs> fantastic physical comedy by chris pratt as always yeah I, I also like have you noticed this we talked about this lately I like that they're continuing to kind of give April and Andy uh, so their, their separate uh, chance at storylines without always having to be tied together. Well, I said April gave Andy the night off because they even had a little bit of That's repartee right. about it, about, well, it's Valentine's Day. He's like, yeah, she she don't she don't care. She, right, right, she'll right. go away. She's yeah. weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's weird. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, I love the following things in no particular order. Yatter otter. So Nuff good. said. I um, want a yatter otter. I, I do too. I yeah. would totally buy one. Oren really digging Chris's depressing music choices. That just made me giggle. Yep. Chris is gazing intensely and longly at Jerry and freaking him out. <laughs> ben giving us the quick look when Leslie's talking about little Sebastian, just saying, I still don't understand yeah. it. Because yeah. you could tell he's trying. He just does not get Didn't it. Happen. And yeah. he never will get it. <laughs> Martin Starr is the Snow Globe Museum employee. Kevin, I love when he turns the snow globe over and just says, I don't know. It seems to be working now. <laughs> Did someone come up to him and tell him that it was broken? It was broken. It wasn't working. Holy crap. It's tech support for snow globes. Leslie texting Congress. Dear Congress, it's Leslie again. Again. Like she's on first name basis. It's Congress. All Congress. Yeah, just yeah. all of Congress. It's Leslie. Not <laughs> Leslie who. You know, you know which you know Leslie. Leslie. Um, a few small nitpicks, I guess. Oh, Tom, e- even when you're warned, you're warned, you're you're put on high alert. Put away the swagger act. It's OK. Just take a moment. Put it away. You still can't resist. You just Mark, I got a new trope. What that is. Tommy can't not swag. I love it. I love it. T-C-N-S. Yeah, that didn't spell anything. Two cans. 
two cans. Yeah. I love it. Got it. All right. Neutro. Um, I thought it was a good use of the comedic bench, except mm. we need a little bit more Donna. Deleted which, scenes. Which leads me into my next point. On, on Some of the deleted scenes were really freaking funny, which yeah. I know we already covered. I really, 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 really wish they could have kept some of them in because it would have given us significantly more Donna as well. I, I feel really like I say this him. every week. Peacock needs to do what they're doing for The Office with the Supersize episodes. They've really restored. Like I watched one today. It, the whole episode was 35 minutes long, Mark. Yeah. Instead of 2130. Because we know and we've heard through people we've talked to, they overshoot both these shows. Yeah. So they've got the footage and probably stuff we can't even see on the deleted scenes. I know I personally have talked to NBC's robots seven, oh, yeah, yeah. seven times today. <laughs> I think I'm starting to wear them out. Are you? I, I, right. don't, I don't know. It sounds like maybe I'm scaring them a little bit, but it's I could just be falling asleep. It's hard to tell sometimes. I'll have my robot call your robot. Done deal. So uh, blah, blah, blah. On to the crazy Mark rubric. Yeah. Here we go. All right. I'm going to give this bad boy a four for a base score. I thought the A story was decent. I thought the B story was was much better. It, you know, it, it wasn't the best overall for all the stories, but it wasn't bad. It gets a four. I'm going to give a, a whole point for a great performance by episode MVP Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. I'm going to give half a point for great guest stars. I didn't realize how many there were. We got Pamela Reed as Marlene Griggs Nope, yep. Eric Eisenhower as Creepy Orin, Harris Whittles as Harris from Animal Control, Love who loves fish, uh, Martin Starr, uh, Kevin, the Snow Globe Museum employee. I'm going to give another half point for the show's, as I said, the show's continuing ability to refer back to old places and things that they've previously established in their universe. It just it makes it that much more rewarding to watch. Yeah. And I thought they really did a good job with that this episode. Uh, on to some of my cheater combos here. Uh, I'm going to give uh, what I call the bookend combo. I've kind of given this before, but often the, the cold open and the kickers are really good. And I felt like that was the case this time. It really was. I, yeah. I love celebrating Valentine's Day on the on the front and on the back. Ron's kind of saying, can you please put a scavenger hunt together <laughs> for me? Love it. Half I love point it. for that. I'm going to give a half point for what I call the dance combo, which is all the weird and wonderful people at the dance, plus Jerry hiring a male escort. <laughs> Just crack me up. <laughs> Enrico. I'm, Enrico. Suave. I'm going to give one more half point uh, uh, for what I call the weird Leslie combo, which is Yada Rotter. Oh, yeah. Plus the Snow Globe Museum scene. I associate that with her because she was the one who first brought it up. So that's, that's what I call the weird. OK, so half point for that. I'm going to give another half point for uh, I feel like the writers sort of giving us a, a, a mystery slash whodunit on both stories. Kind of a little bit, especially on the B story. I, I thought it was it was interesting and a little bit maybe at the end of the A story. Like, oh, what will happen? Who is she going out with? That creepy, that creepy that. Uh, well, they pulled a fast one on us. So that's yeah, true. We yeah, didn't yeah. know it was a mystery until it was. Even better. A mysterious yeah, mystery. I love it. Even better. Uh, it's like Inception. Um, and then finally, I'm going to give one more half point for April. Uh, listen, listening to Leslie and trying to finally help out both Tom, but especially Anne at the end. I thought that that was really nice. So you add all those crazy points together and Alan, you come up with 8.5 uh, little Sebastians. I, I felt like this episode was the latest in what I would call a series of very strong episodes. I think season four had a few, uh, 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 I don't call them stinkers. That's a bit harsh, but yeah. you know, less than great. Um, but this has been a series of really strong episodes. This is right in there. I almost gave this an eight. 
but I like the B story so much I decided to bump it up to an 8.5. I wish the A story for me had been just a little bit more engaging. If it had, I probably would have given it a nine or higher, but it is what it is. So anyway, that's it for me. What you got, buddy? You know, Mark, I think it's interesting how close sometimes we're in sync. So uh, first, let me start, though, by my with my MVPs. Sure. So I, I did co-MVPs. OK. And basically, I kind of said this week, you know, the two different storylines who made them sing? Like who who really brought them home? Yeah. Nick Offerman definitely brought home the B storyline. Yep. I mean, there's just no getting around it. So right. he's my co-MVP for that one. And then Aubrey Plaza from the A storyline. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's just really good in this episode. And yeah. she's on a kind of a she's on a trend for me right now, you know. She's she's been doing really well. And I think she might have been my co-MVP either last week or the week before. So uh, she's back in that position again. I so. think I was this close to doing that exact combo yeah. for co MVP. I felt like maybe they didn't give Aubrey Plaza quite enough Not uh, quite. C- camera time well, as I would have preferred. But it, And it probably speaks to your whole point about the A story being weaker than we would have both liked. Because definitely it's rare to see the B story being the, the better of the two. Yeah. I agree with you. It really was here, though. Yeah. And I think if it weren't for that being as solid as it was, it probably would have been a, an eight, I think. Um, I also gave it eight and a half little Sebastians. Wow. Um, you know, I, I never, sometimes I flirt with the idea of maybe going a little higher. Are we back to the nines and the nine and a halfs? And I don't think we are quite yet. And I, I've, I've peeked into the future, Mark, and I'm curious whether or not we'll see that in season four much at all. We'll see. We're, we're mm. definitely in the second half of season two as we've talked or we're definitely in the second half of season four, as we've talked about. Right. So we'll, we'll have to see if they can kind of get back on that, you know, the the glory days of season three, as I like to call them. Yeah. Yeah. But would you agree this is the latest of a series of pretty decently strong episodes? Solid. Like, yeah. Th- th- I mean, we, every time we, I, we give an eight and a half, I, I have to almost like, you know, do, write out the asterisk, right? For Parks and Rec. Right. Now, this would be an 11 for two and a half men. Don't, don't even, don't even, don't it's even, don't even get me started. It's been a minute. Man. Oh my God, shut up. <laughs> or any other uh, least common denominator sitcom is what those are called, right? Yeah. And if you love the show, good for you. I'm sorry. I, I hate to beat up on it, but there is a difference from if you look at shows that are kind of designed for the masses, they've got easy jokes. Easy plot lines, nothing challenging. Everybody kind of shows up in the way you expect them to. I think Parks and Rec and other shows like it are particularly good because they break all those rules and they do sometimes the thing you're not expecting. I, I would I would definitely agree with that. I, I'll tell you something else, though. I admit that the first time and I love Parks and Rec from the very beginning. But, you know, you and I have talked about looking at these shows through an analytical lens. Yes. Right. And. I am enjoying it a lot more because I'm I'm purposefully taking the time and the attention to focus in and yep. really, really appreciate it for what it's worth. And I'll admit to you, sometimes if I'm tired at the end of the day, man, it's it's tough for me to summon the the oomph to, to give a show like this its due because it's that good. You know That's what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, as I was trying to score this one, I, I did, you know, you kind of hit on it there. I've talked about that. How did it make me feel versus how did I see it through the critical lens? That played a part here. And I think 
I probably went a little more with the feel here because I really ca caught myself laughing out loud multiple times during this episode. Like yeah. I, I mentioned the one scene with the Jerry stares, I call it, and uh, <laughs> Ron's sheer giddiness around this loving riddles, which is so anti what you expect him to be. Oh, yeah. That it works so well. Yeah. And so I think those are the reasons I, I'm as high as an eight and a half mechanically this show might have been a little more of an eight if I really looked at it just strictly through the critical lens. I completely agree. Yeah. So, and this week, I think we both kind of favored it maybe through our uh, uh, enjoyment lens. I know I, that's a great point, Alan. I know we've kind of talked about that before. You know, something else that I really liked is that, uh, you know, my main crush, you know, uh, Nick sure. Offerman is Ron yeah. Swanson. I mean, I, I love we've got the restraining order pinned up here <laughs> next to the uh, the Charles Mulligan Steakhouse poster. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I, I love the parts that kind of slowly, subtly expand the Swanson legacy, the if lore. you will, the, the, the lore. Yeah. And, and this the fact that he loves riddles, it's it's not something that you would expect. But in its own way, it's like it works. that's that's a little fascinating. Yeah. It's a really weird quirk. But I'm like, all right, they're they're doing something with that. I like it. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love it, too. So. And uh, it's it's so funny to, to hear his giggle. So <laughs> <laughs> he laughs a little bit like someone we know. He does. Oh, my gosh. You never thought of that. <laughs> we, we can't talk about no, that. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, we'll be in trouble. Yeah. Well, Mark, that about wraps it up for this episode. But really quick, let's do this. If you'll recall from last week, we, we covered Bowling for Votes. Right. Which um, at the time we mentioned the director, Michael Trim. Uh, that we were going to have an interview with him. Yeah. And unfortunately, we uh, we didn't we did get a chance to talk to Michael, which is terrific. And we'll talk about that here in a second. We just didn't get the chance to do it before Bowling for Votes. Right. To make it part of that episode. But he was director of photography on this episode. And it's his last time in that role after 33, not straight, but pretty close, starting in season two through mid-ish point of season four. Right. Was the most regular director of the DPs, they call them. The right. Biz. A cinema photographer. And uh, we get a chance to talk to Michael. I thought we would air a piece of that interview now. And then I think we'll probably end up doing a bit of a spotlight with him later. But let's play a few clips before we wrap up for this episode. I think that's a fantastic idea. All right. Sit back, everybody, and enjoy this. And we'll be right back. Yep. You know, I, I was looking, you know, looking at all the episodes that you directed. Uh, you did four episodes as director and I think 33 total as DP. Yeah. Um, from the director seat are, you know, you did, uh, let's see, you had Park Park Safety, April and Andy's yeah. Fancy Party where they got married, Operation Anne, which is the episode we're actually going to cover, uh, I think, as we airported this interview. Right. And then your, your final episode was Fluoride, I think, in the sixth season with Jeremy Jam and all those guys. Um, anything stand out to you is memorable? You, know, you would think I would have thought of that before the. Uh... <laughs> it's not. It's, there's no one big thing. What stands out is memorable to me now. I mean, you know, it was always funny. Everyone's always funny. Yeah. Uh, but it, what, what stands out now is just meeting those people at that time. Mm. Um, I mean, what did I see the other day? I mean, I know Aubrey's huge, but the other day I see she's in the next Guy Ritchie movie, for God's sake. Yeah. Wow. You know, like number two on the call sheet. I'm sure it's, you know, after, after Jason Statham. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, everybody. 
um, Pratt. Just- yeah, we've got three between the guest actors and the cast. We've got three people in the Marvel Cinematic Universe from this show. It's crazy. Well, who else? You got you got uh, Pratt. So Pratt, obviously, is Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had um, Paul Rudd as Ant Man. Oh yeah, I didn't. I never. I never did. I wasn't around for any of the. You, you were so. already off the show by that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. So. And then uh, Catherine Hahn played a political consultant on the show later in those later seasons as well. And then she went on to be Agatha Harkness, right. uh, you know, from uh, Scarlet Witch. Witch. Yeah. 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 And it was all and, and even and not just uh, the actors. I mean, Aziz, yeah. you know, and I'm a big uh, fan of Bollywood and, you know, and I'm so I'm like Aziz Bollywood. And he's like, dude, I know nothing about Bollywood. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he's like, I didn't, you know. I know about rap, which is hilarious. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, just all of those people were just so fascinating and so much fun to watch. And it was fun to watch the whole, again, like, you know, I'm much more, I'm, I, I really like a more strict narrative thing at this point. This kind of comedy is just so crazy. You really got to be, there's a certain energy mm. and it's a, and it's also not, I mean, this stuff really, I think the, the most fun visuals really come down to the operators, not the, uh, not the DP. Like, I think the best thing I did was make sure that those operators were who they were. Michael, there's something I wanted to ask you. I, I know that uh, in the past, Alan and I have discussed uh, how for a mockumentary like The Office or Parks and Rec, uh, the, the camera placement is, is so important in terms of, you know, or do you have a long zoomed in shot? Are you listening to a private conversation? And it really adds so much to the screen. I mean, even more than the actors and actresses can do themselves. It's almost like right. the camera, I think we've said is basically like another actor uh, on the screen. And I was curious what your take of uh, was on that. Have you spoken to any of them? No, but no. we've actually, uh, there are two that I am, I'm stalking currently <laughs> that we're trying to make a connection with. Which one? Shauna? <laughs> yes, that's one. And and she is, I mean, I, I actually felt that she was a character. Amy used to reference her. <laughs> yeah, and then who's uh, the other one who's now DP? Tom. Tom, right. Yeah, those were the two. I'll, I'll figure out a way to get you guys in touch with them. Terrific. That'd we appreciate awesome. that Thank you. very much. Because I think that is, I think that is more than, you know, the character's everybody knows and loves and like, you know, everybody has their favorites and stuff and their favorite uh, episodes. But I think the camera really was important. I mean, look, when I left, I think they just bumped Tom up to be DP. But I think they realized it because, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't even need to know anything about lighting on that show. Right. Right. You know, they, they, if you walked into a room with a fluorescent, it, it, you may not feel great about it and you know, you would change something, but they didn't care. Yeah. So, well, I think, it probably adds to the reality a little bit because I think sometimes things look too perfect. I, I wonder if having some of those non-ideal configurations from a DP perspective weren't necessarily a, a, sometimes a good thing. They're a good thing. And then it's just a matter of whether you like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand the concept. Right. Right. It was just, I would have rather have been doing something that was pretty. I mean, look, I got called upstairs like third weekend. They said, Greg wants to see you upstairs. And I'm like, so I got up and I told Jeff, my gaffer, I'm like, I think this is it. I, th- I think we're going to go home. <laughs> so, so I go up and um, Greg says, I, you know, I want to show you something. So he puts on the, uh, the screen and he shows me it's a, one of those shots of Amy at her desk. And he says, see that, see that shaft of light in the background? I'm like, yeah. He goes, let's not do that. And it was like the one thing that we did. You know what I mean? Like, 
to make us feel like we were doing something. <laughs> and I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. I'm like, but it, you know, but it looks, it looks nice. He goes, yeah, no, that's, that's the problem. Oh, interesting. Mm. You know, he wanted, he felt like it looked as if somebody had put it there, like, you know, in, in his mind. And that's not, that interfered with the way he saw the show. So, I mean, it's interesting that it's always interesting to me when you think something through to that place where it's sort of an anti idea. Yeah. So, and look, you know, it worked, it worked people. It is amazing how much people love that show. I have a Pawnee, I have a parks and rec jacket and it, it's a, a Carhartt with the parks and rec logo. Yeah. Pawnee parks and rec doesn't look like any movie, like any movie garbage that people wear. And I'll be in an elevator or like, you know, in line at Whole Foods and I'll see somebody just kind of like glance and like do like a little double take <laughs> and then look up at me. It's hilarious. That's great. People's connection with the show is so, I mean, that's the genius of Shure. Shure's got a big heart. I think, more, you know, and besides being, you know, Harvard genius, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, <clears throat> I mean, because there's a lot of people who've had that, you know, have that on their resume, but uh, I think he just has a big... Uh, his soul is pretty, pretty, pretty big. Wow. I mean, I mean, that's what, that's what, I mean, that's what his shows are. Yeah. We've seen that consistency throughout them, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's always thinking about something and it's usually not, not something stupid. Well, Mark, I really enjoyed that interview. He was a really interesting guy to talk to. And it's the first time we've really talked to anybody kind of, quote, behind the camera outside of uh, Ken Whittingham, who was a director. Well, what I mean behind the camera is basically, you know, literally looking through the camera lens. Right? Mm. We, we did get a chance to talk to Norm Hiscock, who was a writer on the show. Oh, that's we true. We talked to Ken Whittingham, who's another director. And Michael directed last week's episode, yep. but was more commonly the director of photography. And when we talked to him, it was pretty interesting. And you heard a little bit of it there in the interview. And you'll definitely hear it in the spotlight. You know, it's his job to make sure this thing looks good. And ironically... In a show like Parks and Rec, they don't always want it to look good because it's this whole, you know, the camera just happens to be there kind of thing. Right, right. They kind of wanted to have a shooting from the hip look yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So he had to kind of fight himself on that. I, I thought that was an interesting aspect of uh, the way he talked about the show. That's a very interesting aspect of it. And I think it's something that that is is definitely germane to uh uh, you know, mockumentaries uh, of this right. style and, and, you know, the way that they're trying to shoot it. I, Michael Trim is a fascinating guy, I, quite a storyteller. Yeah. And, and I, I really enjoyed our interview with him. And I, I think our viewers will as well. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, I think that about does it for this week. Then we'll be back next week with season four, episode 15. Dave returns. Dave returns. Yep. Yeah. So we're looking forward to breaking that one down with you, Mark. And we'll uh, we'll see everybody next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.